This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to today's episode of War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller, and I am your podcast host. And today, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, as I always say, I'm horrible at introducing people. Um, So tell us about who you are, what your company does, and uh, I call it your superpower. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for that invitation. Uh, My name is Andrew Ernstein, and I'm a solar professional. I've been helping people go solar for 14 years now. Uh, My company is called Solar for Planet A, since there is no planet B. Now, uh, I I have been an entrepreneur since I was in my mid-20s. My first business was an air freight business. And I learned a lot in doing that. And uh, that business, I really led from the front because before I opened it as my own business, I had done every different task in the business. I had been a crater. I had been a driver. I had done the back office accounting. I had done uh, uh, outbound operations and inbound operations. So all the logistics, I'd done all those things. So then when I hired somebody, I I knew exactly how I wanted to train them so that we all knew what we what the other person was doing because we were all kind of doing those things the same way. When I got into the solar industry, I looked at what it takes to um, to do the whole business, every aspect of it. And I'm not an electrician. I'm not an electrical engineer. I'm not a general contractor and I don't have a billion dollars behind me to provide all the leasing and banking solutions. So I thought, well, I better be an employee for somebody else for a while and and figure this out. So I did that for several years. I um, helped grow a a couple of different companies, uh, Standard Renewable Energy. Uh, We went from uh, 45 people to 330, uh, became a regional uh, solar and energy efficiency installation company in um, seven states. The guy who founded that, John Berger, he now, uh, he went on to found Sonova, which is now a publicly traded multi-billion dollar solar finance company. So, you know, I started in the industry with some some really great people who also had uh, great track records and uh, ahead of them, so to speak, really great paths in front of them. So, um, that was good. I was the fourth salesperson for Solar City in Colorado. It was a new market for them at the time. Um, Solar City was kind of a meat grinder to work at. Uh, we did a great job. Um, I, I, I was in the company for uh, six years, which is easily five years longer than most people lasted. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm tough. I'm I'm good at uh, getting the job done and staying focused on the big picture and. Um, letting the um, 
annoyances or what's difficult uh, not get in my way. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, the, the solar industry matured. When I started in 2008, almost every solar company was founded by electrical engineers who had an ideal, uh, an idea of what they wanted to do. They were idealistic as people. They wanted to deploy clean energy and they had the technical know-how to do it, not necessarily the business sense, um, which is why there were so many of them that got bought up by other people who had more money, but maybe not the technical understanding of how to get the equipment deployed and to serve customers. Anyway, over the years, the industry has matured and um, um, become stratified in different ways so that it became possible for me to run a company where all I do is focus on what I'm best at. And I have installation partners and finance partners that focus on what they're best at. You don't have to have all of it under one roof. Um, sometimes people get a much better experience if they have a really uh, committed and professional consultant tracking their project from the beginning educational consultation through the end when they get to turn it on. And that's what my business is. I do the consultation, I track their, their uh, project through installation process and make sure that they're happy. And then most of my business as a real result comes from referrals from those customers. Yeah, yeah. Very common in the solar industry, for sure. The referral base and and all of that. Um, so, so I'm kind of interested in, you know, I mean, obviously clean energy is a big part of, you know, the current administration and all these things. Right. So, you know, where do you see us going in the future when we start talking about solar and all these different energy sources and moving away from, you know, fossil fuels and all those things. Are we ever going to get there? Do you think? I mean, we, well, you know, it's really funny. I mean, the previous administration was uh, said a lot of really strongly supportive things about coal mining, but mm -hmm. coal mining employment has been going down for for eighty years, and there's nothing that the previous administration could do about it. Okay, uh, coal mine operators employ fewer and fewer people every year. They uh, invest their money in bigger and bigger machines, and that's their business model. Yeah, good for them. Great. They like big Tonka trucks. That's fine. <laughs> but it comes with a side order of a huge amount of uh, pollution, uh, mountaintop removal mining, all kinds of things that uh, if you have any friends in West Virginia, they could tell you all about the evils of coal mining. Also in several other states. Um, that is not the kind of industry that I want to be involved in. And uh, on the flip side of the coin, the Biden administration can say all they want about how supportive they are of uh, the future of the clean energy industry. But if they don't get the Build Back Better bill passed, or at least the extension of the tax credit for, for investing in solar, then the road ahead is very uncertain and rather dark. There's 275,000 Americans employed in solar, and all of those jobs are at risk if the tax credit that is currently on the books, which is a 26% tax credit, if that goes down or goes away, which it is scheduled to do currently, 
over the next two years. It'll go to zero uh, in 2024 if something isn't done. Well, then all those jobs are gone, uh, including my own, which I'm not particularly fond of that idea. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter as much what an administration says as what they do. And in, in uh, the, the, you know, the uh, jury is still out on the Biden administration, whether they will be able to get that extension enacted or not. If they do, great. Their, their, com- their reputation is coming up roses in uh, my industries. Uh, the previous administration said they were going to save all the coal mining jobs. And of course, that was an utter failure. But that was, that was you could see that was going to be an utter failure before they ever said those words in the first place, because that's how the industry was going. Okay. The solar industry, all we need to uh, continue uh, competing against the utility companies is that tax credit. And why? Because the utility companies in almost all states are regulated monopolies, and monopolies don't particularly have a reason to be competitive. They have no motivation. As long as they get their rate increases approved, they're going to increase rates, whether or not uh, uh, that's the competitive thing to do because a monopoly isn't concerned about competition. I'm that competition. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know what I find, cause I highly support solar, right. Um, in a, in a very big way, but thank you. It's, it's, it's more than, you know, what makes me really think about sustainable energy is how do we actually end up getting there right Mm -hmm. so how do we get there as the the bigger broader not not just the united states but like globally what would Mm -hmm. it take for us to literally be able to become energy efficient through Mm -hmm. solar through wind through you know not just solar but all the other ones too right sure and what what would it take i mean what in your opinion would have to happen for us to, what would that rollout look like in your opinion? Well, the first thing is you don't want to stop the momentum you had, which is why I'm going to say again, the extension of the tax credit in the U.S. is critically important. And it's very important what we do here because we consume uh, per capita uh, much more than our share of fossil fuels than, than the rest of the world. And, you know, people complain about gas costing four or $5 a gallon here when it's costing seven or $8 a gallon in Europe. Um, energy is not a domestic issue, but we do have to solve it in a domestic way. So solar is deployed typically on rooftops and some of the strongest values of, of solar deployment come in that um, distributed generation uh, model. So instead of putting all of the solar in one little space and then trying to ship it out over the wires to all these different locations where people are using it, it's a more efficient use of the grid infrastructure to have power plants on roofs all in every neighborhood all over the place. 
Um, and that's really important to the utility companies because they don't have the money it takes to upgrade their grids. Or you would not see all these wildfires sparked by downed wires in California. You would not see the freeze from the blizzard in Texas, a deregulated state, by the way, um, because of um, insufficient uh, safety measures and um, weatherization and uh, uh, outdated grid infrastructure. So, so actually focusing on the small is helpful to the global picture. On the larger picture, on the larger scale, well, um, you know, I'm not sure how many teeth the uh, 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 like the uh, uh, the World Bank and uh, the World Trade Organization (WTO) uh, has to enforce any kind of carbon taxes or or, um, or things like that. That's one way to go. I mean, you see that there are opportunities to use technology to make our situation better, but then there's resistance to it in every every step of the way. So for example, uh, you can use wind power, you can still use sailboats, you can still use wind power with uh, um, the equivalent of airplane wings that are extendable from a cargo ship, but then people look at that and go, yeah, we got diesel. Why worry? Like, that's silly. Why put airplane wings sticking up out of your ship? Well, because it saves you a tremendous amount of pollution. But people have to actually adopt these things. And these things are, you know, um, every single transaction has the potential to take a step in changing the world. And are we going to do the uh, what's comfortable and we know doesn't work? Or are we going to do something that is maybe a little weird looking like putting glass on your roof or putting sails back on the boats that we, you know, haven't used sails on for, for a few generations now in order to cut down how much we pollute this planet. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you start looking at, gosh, the, the, the sheer amount of money it would take me and my wife were having this discussion one day. We were driving back from Windsor and uh, we were talking about solar power and, you know, getting fossil fuel free and all these different things. And gosh, what that would even look like if you, if like every single neighborhood co-opt, right. Mm -hmm. And because my opinion is this, it all starts in the local community. That's Mm -hmm. where it starts. Right. Mm -hmm. So if communities could band together and say, look, we want our own solar farm for our community. Right. Mm-hmm. And that concept started to spread across the United States. Be a beautiful thing. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I think you and I both know there would have to be something extremely drastic happen to where it like became, you know, fossil fuels goes away. We have to do something today or the world's going to blow up next week. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, as, as, as animals, we're just, we're absolutely driven by crisis. Yeah. If the crisis oh, is yeah. on your front door, then it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, I mean, 
I mean, I'm trying to conduct business. And meanwhile, there are people uh, in trenches, uh, you know, ducking artillery shells over in Ukraine. And for what? For, you know, no sensible reason whatsoever. But like, we, we you know, all, all I can do is is focus on what I can do today, which is to educate another homeowner or three about why solar would be beneficial for them. Or even like this morning, I had a conversation with somebody saying, well, I got these quotes for solar, you know, six kilowatts of solar. And I looked at the usage and I said, you don't need six kilowatts of solar. You're not going to get the value out of three of those six kilowatts. Let's focus on a system that's the right size for your needs. So like every system I do is totally customized. Now, as to what we can do to really accelerate things. So one thing that you can look at, if you compare America to Germany, Germany does not have nearly as much sunshine as most of America, most of the states of America have, okay? Especially in the Southwest. You know, the, the we're in the Rocky Mountains and Rocky Mountains have, we've got a ton of solar resource and the Southwest, ton of solar resource. And um, yet we have less solar than Germany does because Germany instituted a feed-in tariff. A feed-in tariff means that you can max out your roof, put all the solar on your roof you can, and every kilowatt hour you generate, you're going to get paid retail value for it from the utility grid. Mm. In America, what we have in most states is net metering, which says that if you were going to use it, well, what it says is it comes off your bill. Every kilowatt hour you generate comes off your bill. And in most states, that gives you 100% retail value for those kilowatt hours, but not for excess, which is why to that previous this person who called me this morning, I said, you only need three kilowatts because even though I can put six on your roof, three kilowatts of solar power is all, that's going to produce all the electricity that you've been using. That's what you can benefit at retail value for, okay? Putting more on there, she's going to lose the retail value of all the excess. So I would prefer not to do that. Now, if she's going to get an electric vehicle in the future, then we can we can build a slightly bigger system planning ahead. But if she isn't going to use it in the future, I don't want to build it. A feed-in tariff makes it so you just max out the roof, build whatever you can, you're going to get retail value out of it. And that really speeds up deployment because then even landlords who are going to want to say, I can't benefit from solar on my rental property because the tenant pays the electric bill, so I'm not putting solar on my rental house. Well, okay, if you're getting a re uh, feed-in tariff retail value, they're just gonna everybody's gonna put solar on everybody who can. Mm -hmm. So why do you think we haven't gone there yet? Why wouldn't we want to do that? Oh well, because the fossil fuel industry in America goes back what 150 years or more. And yeah. they have huge, huge lobbying clout. Um, uh, I don't want to name names, but uh, there are in many states, the fossil fuel industry fuel uh, pays 80% of the political campaigns for certain candidates. Mm -hmm. And so they, they get the laws that they want. I mean, you know, Excel Energy came into Colorado in 2002. And when it was Public Service Company of Colorado uh, in the 90s, their rates were pretty much flat for 
a dozen years or more. 2002, Excel comes in and boom, all of a sudden we're seeing five and a half and 6% a year rate increases every single year. It's 2022, it's been 20 years. You tell me that they don't know their way around the halls of government in our state capital, okay? Yeah, they do. Right. So when you when you have a, a fairly young industry, you know, the solar industry really has only been around since 2006 when the federal tax credit came into being. Going up against people that where the the lobbying tradition and, and strategies and funding for it, I mean, you don't even have to stop at the Koch brothers. You can go back to Carnegie and JP Morgan. Okay. Yeah. They were getting laws passed. They were getting 50-year interest-free loans to build power plants. They're mining on public lands. The fossil fuel industry has uh global protection from the US military. Uh, you know, by far the most powerful military on the planet. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of reasons why there's resistance to getting away from fossil fuels and it, that it's difficult for the solar industry. I'm not asking for all of that stuff. I'm just asking for the tax credit to be extended. And, you know, like that's a pretty modest proposal. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Well, hey, you know what? Um, at some point, maybe it won't be in mine or yours lifetime, but there's there's always a forcing function, right? At some point where mm -hmm. it's it, it just becomes, well, hey, I, I we gotta do this, or or uh you know, there's a shit sandwich coming, right? So, so absolutely it's, uh, it'll happen at some point. And there again, maybe not your life or my, my life, but yeah, um, it will happen at some point. But Well, and do you have kids? Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Can I've got a couple of life. kids. And I mean, every day what I'm doing, I'm trying to protect the world for them. And yeah. um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people could criticize me and say, well, you're not doing enough. I'm doing everything I can. I, right. I, I'm responsible for it's uh 1290 solar installations at this point. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's something to be proud of too. Yeah. I would say for sure. And I've got I've got it's certainly several hundred more if not a thousand more in me before uh <laughs> before I uh, decide to retire. So, yeah. I'm going to keep on fighting the good fight and uh uh doing what I can within the the laws that we have, the, the policies we have to um you know, deploy clean energy and yeah. save people money. And, you know, it's got to make business sense for each person or we can't reach the overarching, the overarching goal of building a world that's powered by a better choices of energy. Right. Well, it's interesting because um, when you think about it, I mean, this isn't everybody, but like most people care about what they put in their body, right? Yeah, right. You know, I mean, you don't go around drinking Clorox bleach and shit. Right? So, <laughs> so, so, you know, we care about our body, but it's like, when are we going to care about our planet? Right. Because yeah. the planet is an extension of our body. We live here. So mm -hmm. it needs, it's a living, breathing organism, right? Our planet is. So we kind of need to take care of it <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But, Preach. but anyway, the, uh, just to kind of segue, um, part of this podcast is really designed to help younger business owners too. Mm -hmm. 
coming up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of building a bank of business struggles, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, so where a young young company owner could start on episode one and literally just miss all the arrows that most of us had to take in the back. Um, so if you were to reach in your truckload of business struggles you've had over the last 14, 15 years in business, what would be one that you'd want to share with a young entrepreneur coming up that's starting a business and how you really overcame it? So uh, the first lessons in business came from both my two uncles, uh, my uncle Phil, who, with whom I worked every summer from the time I was 13 till I was 22. Um, he always focused on taking care of the customer and knowing their business almost better in his, in how he, inter- he interacted with their business, knowing it better than they did. He did wholesale ice cream distribution. So we had, I don't know, dozens of stores in the LA area that we supplied, you know, convenience stores, 7-Elevens, restaurants. And um, he knew by the neighborhood exactly what was the most uh, successful mix of, of flavors and products. And he would just come in and he he considered that freezer to be his freezer. And um, he he would stock it, we would merchandise it. And we would double people's sales compared to uh, when they just had other uh, ice cream vendors just kind of dump a standard supply in the freezer. Um, We'd make it look pretty and increase their sales and keep happy customers. Um, So knowing, listening and and knowing the, uh, your customer or client's business really, really well and taking care of them. um, That was always very, very important. I also want to give a shout out to um, my my late uncle, uh, Jim Harden, who uh, built up uh, Jim's Garage and Towing in Bakersfield, California. Um, I asked him what the secret of his success was, and it was pretty stark success. I mean, he started with a $1,200 loan for a tool set and a, and a broken down old tow truck um, around the time I was born. And when he passed away, he had a fleet of over 150 vehicles and for commercial properties to run that business. And I asked him what the secret was. And he said, son, don't ever tell a lie. Yeah. If you if you tell people the truth, what you can do, what you can't do, and you get it done, you're going to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I just posted something on LinkedIn. One of my saying is bullshitters always lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> just True. do what you're do what you're good at and be really good at that one thing. Right. Yep. Yep. And and stop trying to be everything to everyone. Right. Yeah. Just be really good at what you do. Be transparent. Be honest. It goes a long way. It really, really does. And um I know that's the way it is with our clients. I'm sure it is with yours when you step. I mean, people are trusting you to step into their home, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a that's a huge thing, you know, to you're up on their house drilling holes through their roof, right? So they want to know that, well, gosh, when these guys leave, if something happens, are they going to come back and take care of me, right? Absolutely. So, uh, customer services, and it's lacking today. It's really actually pretty shitty for most businesses. Um 
in especially in the service industry. It's pretty horrible, actually. Yeah, um, if you're too concerned about the about the money, about making the money from the customer, and not uh, concerned enough about the customer, then you're not going to have very many customers. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Be authentic. Be honest, and uh, you know, do what you do best for sure. So anyway, so I I'll always like to kind of ask this question, kind of wrapping things up. And that is if you could have had anybody here today with us, mm-hmm. you know, dead or alive, mentor, friend, family, whatever that is, uh, to just listen in or be a part of it, or you could ask a question to, um, mm-hmm. that's been on your mind for years, perhaps, who would that be? And maybe what would that conversation look like? I would love to have uh, one more conversation with my uncle Jimmy uh, mm. about business, uh, about everything that I've learned and experienced. You know, my failures and successes both uh, uh, since the last time I spoke with him, which was several years ago now. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, we hear all kinds of things like, you know, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi you know, all these different things. Right. But sometimes it's the people that are the closest to us that had the most impact. (laughs) And that's for sure. But anyway, Andrew, how do people get a hold of you to, uh, uh, you know, work with you and talk about solar and perhaps come to an estimate or whatever it is that you usually do? Excellent question. Thank you for asking my company name. is solar for planet a for being the number so the website mm-hmm. very easy to find solar that's s-o-l-a-r the number four planet a as in alpha.com and um, there's a contact form on there and you can just you know enter your information if you enter your address i will probably take a look at uh what the how the roof lays out before i call and um, I'm happy to provide estimates. Uh, most of my business is in Colorado. I do have customers from coast to coast. So literally, I have installations in California, New York, Massachusetts, Texas, Arizona. Um, so I have installation partners uh, across the nation, uh, and I can get the job done. And uh, since I've been in the industry for many years, I know how to uh, uh, pick the, the best uh, regional installation partners. And also my phone number is 720-443-1239. Man, you're brave. (laughs) Even busted out the phone number. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, well, hey, I always like to say, you know, we all have 168 hours in a week to, to, to get the things done that we need to do. Um, and we're all busy, so on and so forth. Thanks for taking the the hour to be here with us, educate our audience about what you do um, and all the things that are your superpower. And I appreciate you taking the time to stop by and have a conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you for joining us today on this episode of War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller, your podcast host. Remember, dream it, believe it, and go achieve it. This is Jason Miller again, your podcast host, signing off. 
Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode. We'll be right back. 